Keys with it, man! He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. Rubbed his nose. Yeah. What about to McCullum? Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. He might try and slide one in there. Fast. Well, you call it. It's out. Let's run out. Let's come on, Sam. Yeah. No, he's going. Sometimes. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't you? Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook BBL podcast, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. We are halfway through round one of the Big Bash Supercoach season. By the way, I'm your host, Tim Williams. Uh, Round two on the front doorstep for us. We've already learnt so, so much uh, in the early stages of the Supercoach season. Here to talk through it with me is former Sydney Sixers media media manager, Cricket Australia commentator, all-round great man, Maxie Bryden. Maxie, how are you, mate? G'day, Timmy. Doing well. G'day to all the listeners. Gee, best time of year. It's been so great watching these first two games and, yeah, really enjoying uh, all the chaos around one throws up as per usual. Absolutely, mate. Also joining us on our Round 2 SC Playbook podcast is 29, gen, genuine Supercoach royalty, I'd say. 2019-20 Supercoach BBL champion. Every What's it? 50, 60, 80, 100,000 people in it. Knocked them all off. Tomo Aitken. Tomo, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. I've had a bit of a break listening to the podcasts and all those sort of things, but it's good to come back and chat a bit of Supercoach. Absolutely it is, boys. Plenty to get through on today's show. The recent BBL team news, all the big moments uh, that we've learnt so far from the Big Bash season. As I said, only two games in, but things like roles that have been locked in, players that may have gotten uh, greater opportunities, players that have got lesser opportunities than we thought, Who's stood up? <clears throat> Nathan Coulter, Niall, anyone else? There'll be a few more to get to. Uh, Max is going to run us through all of those sorts of things. Where we landed on our starting squads, plenty of changes across round one already. Uh, what change from our team reveals. We're going to look at the double game week analysis each and every week on this play uh, on the SC Playbook podcast. Obviously, this week it will be the Perth Scorchers uh, and the Sydney Thunder. So we'll have a deep dive into those two sides and the key players from those. Uh, our round two trades and skipper plans, a few listener questions at the end, so plenty, plenty to get through. Uh, boys, let's start with a little team update, and I'll start with you, Maxie. As I said, only two games in at the time of recording, uh, but significant ones in that, obviously, the three teams on the double game week have played. How are you looking at this stage? Yeah, not too bad, Timmy. I would have always loved to be um, doing a little bit better. I think I went a little bit uh, away from my normal plan uh, and just carried a few too many batters, um, the likes of Rousseau, uh, Hales, guys who didn't really sort of go on and do the job, um, but started um, started pretty well. Can't complain about any of my bowlers. If I had to look at the good guys, um, Matt Short brought him in last second after fading him nearly all preseason, and that worked out all right. Mm. Um, for Rookie, uh, Adam Zampa did well. Daniel Sam's doing his usual job. Um, a really big one for me has been Henry Thornton, which I'm um, absolutely stoked Your about. Boy. My boy did the job, four You've wickets. Thank you very much. I think it might have been the first episode of the preseason about six weeks ago you had Thornton, didn't you? I did, and look, I'm happy to claim it. I just hope a few people jumped on with me because that's what this is all about, really. Um, look, I think a couple of things have worked out as well. A couple of nice cash gen, um, even though they're not on field and they've scored well in Bo Webster and Naveed, mm. uh, the sixer last night, which was really good. A couple of bad things. Jilks, no no points at all, I think, in his first game. He gets another bite of the cherry, which is good. 
Hales, Rousseau, Stoinis, all no good, and uh, had a last-minute pivot to Wood um, as a potential loop option and um, not very impressed by the Englishman um, from that start. So, yeah, not too bad. Could be better, but could be a lot worse. A solid start nonetheless, mate. And, Tomo, what about yourself, mate? I found it very interesting, um, as it always is, but it's nailing your, your loops early on. You know, if you had your duds on your bench or if you had them in your starting team, how have you fared so far? Yeah, it's a slow start for me, Timmy. So after two games on, I'm 565 for the Sam's VC. It's very true. You've got to nail your loops. I'm looking at my side on my other screen at the moment, and I've got Jilks sitting with a zero. I've got Rosal sitting with 10, and I've got Wood sitting with 14. So those um, loops are not so good. They do have mm-hmm. a second game, which is nice. Um, yeah, overall, a slowish start for me personally. Jilks, Stoinis on field was not... Um, the greatest selection, but everyone has him. Rosal Hales is a bit disappointing. I guess I've just missed those guys that had a good first game. Um, Nathan Kudanal would have was a good selection for those that jumped on. Chris Lynn, much better than some of the Thunder batsmen. Um, Trent Bolt, even though it's expensive, you know, he was a reasonable selection after taking two wickets in game one. And um, Maxie's boy, <laughs> Thornton, was pretty awesome too, who I uh, don't have. But congratulations, Maxie. That was a great pick. So, a slow, slow start. The team I put out on the um, site was pretty similar to what I've ended up doing at the moment. Um, Conway was someone who I thought was going to get picked. I did notice other seasons he's worked his way into the side about halfway through, but I thought he might have started in the team. Wasn't to be. Um, when I saw he wasn't named, I had to pivot to someone. I pivoted to uh, Mr Wood, the English international from the Stars. Um, bat bowler eligible, cheap. Only 14 points or I think roughly 14 points in the first game. Hoping he can score okay in the second game, but he's someone I'll look to trade out. You know, he bowled his four overs. He batted lower middle order. The Stars batting lineup still looks a bit shaky to me, so he might get a second bat um, in their second game of the round. Um, yeah, currently I've got four scorchers in my side, so I always mm. knew round one that I was going to be a bit slow, but it's a bit slower than what I would have liked, but plenty of time to catch up. That's all right, mate. Long-term strategy. We know we love that on this podcast. Uh, and as we said, getting getting those loops right, it's so, so very vital. The the Kuma Stallions, we're, we've started with a bit of a bang, and I'm going to rejoice in it right now because, honestly, by the time this, this podcast goes, not by the time it goes live, by the time you might have listened to this podcast, I could have come crumbling down. So I'm just going to enjoy it while I've got it. But uh, just as we said, boys, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of luck involved in Supercoach Big Bash. At the end of the day, I had Matty Jilks and Riley Rousseau as my AEs on the bench, ready to flip in if needed. Um, so I haven't had to play them, fortunately. It's allowed me to put Matty Wade up to starting wicketkeeper. And when I say things change very quickly, Gilks could come out and hit a ton this week and uh, in the next game, and Matty Wade could get a duck. That's how quickly Supercoach changes. Um, Rousseau, I'm also not playing. I've... Got Marcus Stoinis in my side who got zero. But what um, I have been allowed to do as a result of Russo going no good was flip. Can't remember who it was in my starting side. It must have been Ashton Agar to Chris Lynn, um, which jabbed me a solid enough 46 points there. Uh, my AE on my bench for the bowlers was Nathan Coulton-Nile, 125 points. So thank you to the veteran star. Uh, and hopefully he plays in game two of the double for Coulton-Nile because he does, he does often get rested in these shorter turnarounds. So fingers crossed on that one for Coulter Nile owners. A um, couple others there, yeah. Matty Short, 
Who else? Dan Sams, Adam Zampa, a few of the popular ones. Faruqi, 79 points. Glad I followed a few of the, the SC playbook contributors' advice on that one because he was looked very, very good. Um, and a few decisions still be made across round one, and that is around Scorch's players who we'll get to very shortly. So hopefully you've all started well. But as I said, if you haven't, plenty, plenty of time to come in this one. Um, guys, where are we up to with this one? Our new social media channel for exclusive SC Public BBL content on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Jump in and give that a like if you haven't already for the majority, not the majority, all of our Big Bash content. Uh, also, it's not too late to jump into the SC Playbook Unlimited group. Take on the SC Playbook contributors there. The code is 557991. Uh, that will be cut off at some stage. So that gets you in the running to win some pretty banging prizes. Um, just a note on the SC Playbook po- podcast this season, for the Big Bash season, recording times are a little bit funny. And then it's not like NRL and AFL where there's a gap uh, from Sunday to Thursday where there's no games. We all know with Big Bash, it's every single day, which means the Supercoach rounds start and stop very, very quickly. So what we try and do on here is record two or three days out from the next round to give everyone as much time to listen as possible. Uh, It does mean that there will be games in that same round to come, which is inevitable. So um, everything that we do say on here, there will be another game or two to play. So keep an ear out for that and consider that when you do make all your trades. Um, Guys, let's get into the round one takes. The things that we learned from the first, when I say round one, the first two games of it, namely across the Thunders, Stars, Strikers, and Sixers squad. Uh, and Maxie, I'll start with you, mate. What have you found so far? Yeah, thanks, Timmy. Um, I think just before I look at each team, there was just something that I looked at in the scores today, which I just wanted to reiterate. It's something that you sort of almost have to relearn each year when you jump into BBL Supercoach. And then it's just how dominant bowlers are um, in the point scoring stakes um, and how important it can be to get all-rounders up in your batter spots. Um, Of the 15 scores so far of 60 points or more within the first two games, 15 of them, only three of them were batters. And that was Matt Short, um, Adam Hose and, and Jordan Silk, surprisingly, who um, he must have got a couple of catches in, in his 60, um, although he did bat all right last night as well. So that tells you that 12 of the 15 highest scorers so far this round um, are all blokes who are rolling the arm over. Um, just the amount of time chances that they've got to uh, have an impact in the game really just reminds you how important those bowlers' spots are and, and can be something that really plays into your strategy. Um, in terms of role confirmation, I think that that's probably the biggest thing that you can learn from um, from round one. So starting with the Melbourne Stars, probably the big one was what was going to happen with Marcus Stoinis and was he going to bowl? I think while it might be a bit of a downgrade to see him batting at number five, interestingly, they only named four bowlers <coughs> in the team, which meant that between um, Marcus Stoinis and Bo Webster, they were going to have to bowl. Um, there wouldn't be a choice in it. So I think that even though it's not as um, exciting to have him as the opener and facing as many balls as possible, it's really encouraging that he looks like Marcus Donis is going to be a genuine all-rounder this season. And I think it was only COVID in that first game that stopped him from bowling. Mm. Um, with that, Webster, um, we weren't really sure what to make of him in preseason, although we did think that he'd benefit a lot from the Maxwell injury and we were right um, in that sense. Um, it was not great to see him batting as low at number seven, although I think to Tomo's point, he might still get a few opportunities in this Stars lineup, given how weak it is, particularly within the top three and four. Um, but he did bowl, and I think he looked all right as well. Um, took a couple of wickets bowling the 20th over, which he won't do every match, um, but could be odds on if he keeps bowling to become a DPP, which would be fantastic. Um, and while it's annoying he's got the round two buy, he's going to peak in cash potentially um, after round three, which is really nice for those people who jumped on at 62K, just given that he scored 70 in his first game of the double already. 
Um, next one from uh, the Sydney Thunder, no surprises, but um, Daniel Sams, name to bat number five, I thought was really encouraging and just cemented him as the guy with the best role in the game. Um, and while there's no such thing as, a, as an absolute lock uh, and someone you can't trade in BBL, as I keep learning um, each year, I think the fact that he'll bowl his four overs, bowl at the right <coughs> times of the game um, and bat as high as number five or even probably number four if the top order really get going, um, that just means that he's as close to as a sure thing that you can lock in um, for most rounds, particularly single game rounds um, this season. Um, when we get to the Adelaide Strikers, the big watch for me was probably on Matt Short uh, and what role he was going to be. I think encouragingly they only named four bowlers as well, which meant that he's going to need to roll the arm over. I think the unfortunate thing was that Colin de Grandhome, who we weren't sure what he was going to do, he ended up bowling three overs last night. He took one off Wes Agar, but he took two off Matt Short. So having two overs, even though he went none for 13 and dropped a catch off his own bowling, he didn't get that economy rate bonus, which just would have been amazing. So um, he is a guy I'm not quite convinced you can hold the whole season, particularly at his price, um, albeit we'll just have to see how that goes. Maxi, on, on to Grandholm, we almost learnt nothing, did we? A, a decent like, – I think the expectation was for him to bat probably number five and, and maybe roll the arm for two overs. He got exactly that. If he got three overs, you'd be like – all right, all right, we're on here. You know, you can get the economy rate bonuses, that extra chance at wickets, etc. cetera. Um, mm. You know, batting at four, again, would have nearly cemented him, but he's just in that awkward sort of middling role. You know, you've got to cut players each week. And while you while owners will be sitting there going, oh, we know there's big scores in him, just not quite enough at this stage, was it? No, I don't think so. And I think the interesting thing was he ended up he, he did end up bowling three overs because he took one from Wes Agar. Well, what's three? Um, Sorry, mate. Yeah. Yeah, but even though um, even though like looking at his bowling, there was at times where it looked a bit tricky and a bit confusing, and the batters were you know hitting it straight to fielders, and there was a couple of dots. Um, his bad balls were very easy to dispatch to the boundary. So even though it looked at times like he was bowling tight, his economy rate ended up being nine and a half. So he was pretty expensive, which is exactly in line with his career average. Yep. So I think what you saw last night was a guy who's very much um, a part-timer. Um, and look, it really could go either way. He could be a secret weapon if he and, and a bit of a golden arm. But I think historically the data tells us that that's probably not going to be the case. And just as a bits and pieces all rounder, he doesn't look like he's got the game for super coach. Yeah, I think you touched on uh, might have been around him early in the season that it, it'll be that sort of Dan Christian role. Well, his super coach scoring is going to be the exact same as well. Like he's he'll have some big scores in, in this tournament, but the in betweens, yeah, particularly on the single game weeks, you won't be able to hold him. So it'll be just trying to jade the right weeks with Colin de Grandholm. Um, her final side in that one, mate, your your beloved Sydney Sixers. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and I think that there was probably two things of note with this team. Um, very settled squad, and there isn't a lot of change each year. Um, the first one was that Chris Jordan was announced that he wouldn't be available for at least the first three games, um, and it could be longer than that. Um, and that's got a really big impact on them because he was the guy rusted on to bowl death, um, given that that's the role mm. that he plays for England. Um, we saw Sean Abbott bowl the 20th over, which historically has been an absolute disaster, um, not only for him but the Sixers, but incredibly he came out and jagged at least 70 points in that over oh. um, just by virtue of um, you know getting his economy rate finally back on the track. I think he only conceded about three runs uh, and he took three wickets as well, um, including um, one absolutely incredible unplayable Yorker um, to fall the final ball of the innings, which was just so <clears> impressive. So um, I don't know if he can keep it up, but I'll tell you what, for those who invested in him, um, which was, was probably a lot more people than um, I would have thought at 200k um, for a single game week player, 
um, I think 85 points or something he scored or 87 points was was pretty bloody good. Um, and he looks like, again, he'll be right there or thereabouts top scorer this season. Um, and the final guy was my boy, Naveed, who I was mm. absolutely stoked to hear uh, when he was named in the Sixers 11. Um, I think the thing for me is um, having been around the club a little bit, uh, I understood that they don't really have a culture of pumping up young players but hearing the reports of him and how well he was received through the practice matches and in the nets by the team I sort of thought they really rate this guy and they they genuinely did and I thought he was fantastic um, two for 20 odd scored 60 odd points um, looked really good and I think that we've got a 62 uh, K rookie now who's going to play uh, the next few games and potentially into that round five double as well if he can keep impressing like he did because clearly their best bowler last night Mm, Shawnee Abbott every single season just turns it on, delivers. I was, I won't say I was very close to starting with him, but gee, he looked, he was in my side for a while, and he looked good at the time. And as I said, even on an off night, he manages to jab points. Absolute super coach star. So congratulations to Anna who did take the gamble on him. Um, Tomo, mate, anything to add from that? Any round one hot takes? They don't even have to be yeah. hot, mate. They can be cold. They can just be informative. Um, the <laughs> people take anything. Just any sort of any sort of take, eh? Yeah. Um, yeah, Maxi's covered most of the big things. I guess for me, Stornis and Burns, even though they played with COVID, I think that'll put a lot of teams off picking anyone that actually comes out with illness because watching bits on TV, they clearly didn't look right and their performance backed that up. So I reckon that will scare a few teams and they'll take um, not the easy option, but they'll bring in someone that's 100% fit. So I think that's something for us to watch as time goes on. Um, I agree with what Maxi said about Webster. Um, bowling four tidy overs, you reckon it's guaranteed him at least some overs a match, but I really want to see when Stoinis comes back, what's the breakdown? Is it, you know, are they both going to roll three apiece? Is it going to be dependent on how others go? I really want to see how that goes when they're both in the team. And um, I agree with Daniel Stam, still the best super coach role in the game. Um, they like, I saw, from what I can see, they like to sort of bring him in after that 10 over mark around that sort of power surge. And if he's bowling depth and coming in having a whack during power surge, like I agree it's the best role. And um, just the final takeaway from the first game is Mr. Couch is probably the best fielder in Australian history. So I can't <laughs> believe two catches. Uh, we've got to say something about that. I mean, unbelievable stuff. Uh, moving on to the second game. Agree, Matt Short, new season. But it kind of is the same old Matt Short, isn't it? Opening the batting, aggressive. Yes, it could have changed when he had that DRS in the second over, but... That's T20 cricket, so that's what happens. Um, I think he will get some overs a game. Agree, he might not be rusted on the ball as four overs, but I will be interesting to see once Rashid Khan leaves whether that changes some of the dynamics and they're more mm. open, more spin over. So that's something to watch when uh, Rashid departs. Um, yeah, the only other thing, agree with all the sixes takes. The one thing I did think was interesting was Dan Christian not bowling a single over in the match. To me, he's sort of that break glass in case of emergency. And last night was one of those situations. And I just wonder, is there a slight niggle? Are they saving him for the pointy end of the tournament? Or have the bowling spikes been put away for good? Because that was this game where they would usually call upon him to do something when things weren't going their way. So interested, Max, if you've got anything about uh, DC and the bowling role. 
Yeah, it's a really good it's a really good observation, Tom, and I completely agree. Um, I think that it seems like he's always one of those players that fans rate a lot more highly than his captain seems to. Um, <laughs> I, I think if you looked back to BBL eleven, um, which was really his breakout uh, tournament, um, no, sorry, BBL ten, his really his real breakout tournament for the Sixers, um, his bowling really fell off a cliff when the skipper changed from D Hughes to M Enriquez, uh, and I think that that is probably the bigger issue rather than his fitness because by all reports um he bowled incredible in the practice match bowled death um and there were concerns over ben dorsius's fitness heading into the first match i was actually surprised to see him play um as i I was expecting dc to bowl and by all reports he was bowling incredibly well so um who knows i think that they were just keen to just get a few overs um into dorsius knowing he was underdone just so he can start to get into the tournament as quickly as possible One thing, boys, that I uh, I didn't I didn't miss uh, about Supercoach Big Bash, and one of the very few things because I love the game is just the mixed emotions that you get during games. Like if it's an NRL NRL game and you're looking at it through Supercoach goggles, and you've got James Tedesco and he runs through Tom Trebojevic, and you've got them both in your team for a try or something, and Trebojevic misses the tackle, it's minus one point. But uh, you've got you've got Teddy there who scores, and it's a massive point. It's like, all right, good work, boys. You know, you're working together for my Supercoach side. Supercoach B bash. You sit there and you're like, Alex Hale's going well, sixteen off twelve, about to get a gun, uh, strike rate bonus, looking the goods. Damn, he's gone. Oh, wait, Coulton, I'll bowl him. It's like, you beauty, I've got both in my team. You go down the order, Daniel Sims, you know, batting at six, three or five, gone. Damn, you beauty, Coulton, I'll. It's like, geez, it plays with the emotions, this game. But, uh, you know, you, you learn to live with it and you learn to deal with it. Guys, a subscription at SC Playbook. If you're keen on getting stacks of extra content throughout BBL 12, you can subscribe to your BBL package for just $30 for the entire season or $50 for our full package, including the 2023 NRL and AFL seasons. Stacks of awesome subscriber stuff. Additional things are going to be coming throughout this tournament and through next year as well. I've got some really, really exciting plans in place for the website. Guys, the WhatsApp group has been going off, both of them. The contributor only one where we've been dropping all our trade plans by the day, by the hour, as the teams have dropped before games uh, and our Supergate squads have changed. We've had all the boys uh, talking about that swapping it up, and it's also been a great community for everyone that's in there so far to give feedback to each other and just chat cricket. Um, so thank you to everyone for your contributions so far in that. Um, if you do want to join us, join up as a subscriber, head to the menu on our website. Boys, let's get stuck into the double game week teams. And the big one this week, which we'll spend more time on, is the Perth Scorchers. We've obviously spoken a lot about the Thunder already, but we will touch on them. Um, the Perth Scorchers and Maxi, correct me if this has changed because again, predicted teams are moving by the day, particularly this Scorchers lineup. But one to eleven, we have this: Lyth, Duplessis opening, Bancroft at three, Inglis at four, Turner, Hardy, Agar, and then Richardson, Hatzaglu, Ty, and Berendorf. Bit of news today: Time or Mills won't be. He's not in the round one squad, so. I suppose it gives her a little bit more of an idea. Now, the big thing with these Scorchers players is, boys, that I know there's a lot of people who can still trade in round one, um, depending on how their team has played out, for Scorchers players. And we're all looking at for those players with the most assured role with some super coach upside. And to be honest, there's question marks around all of them. Um, Now, we don't necessarily need to go through every player, Maxi, but we'll start with a few of the more intriguing ones. And... Rolls. Rolls are the big one in this side. Aaron Hardy, I'm going to ask you this because I'm so curious on him. He's a bloke that I like, but 
What is Raul going to be? You've currently got him batting at number six. He may roll the arm over. There's He wants the Mitch Marsh role. There's a lot of talk that he does get a more prominent role, but, uh, you know, see it when I believe it. What's your take on Aaron Hardy? Yeah, he's, he's a really hard one to pigeonhole, and I think that there's been a lot of... Uh, I heard an interesting quote from... Um, Chris Lynn, not about the Perth Scorchers, but it was very relevant, saying that um, when he was getting questions about who was going to open the batting for the strikers, he said, never played in a tournament where the guy who starts the tournament opening the batting finishes the tournament opening the batting. Squad batting lists change all mm-hmm. the time, and I think that this is going to be the case with Aaron Hardy and the Perth Scorchers. I don't see him batting anywhere else but number six um, when they play their first game, and he'll bowl really only in case of emergency. He might bowl more in Perth than he would away from home and maybe taken over from Hatsuglu. Um, but while there's been a lot of hype in the preseason, um, I would definitely caution buyer beware um, prior to getting him in for round two. Righto. That uh, match is really polite way of saying hard trap. Tomo, what about <laughs> yourself, mate? Because he is under 100K. There's potential to be a great role. Uh, do you think he can get it or are you in Max's camp? Look, a couple of weeks ago when Marsh went down, I thought he would be a great like-for-like replacement and I was pretty keen. But as time goes on, even though he batted at number three, I believe, in some of the Scorchers practice games, um, he didn't bowl, which I find really concerning. Mm. And as I've mentioned in one of my articles on the website, like you want to see him bowling and have that you know, arsenal to be able to select him. As time goes on, I reckon it's going to be a very, very similar role to last year. So the scoring output I would expect to be very similar as well. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Um, now, Time or Mills, I forgot to say, are gone for pretty recent news, but gone for the entire Big Bash, which is disappointing news for the Big Bash. I love Mills. I love what he brings to the game. Uh, good news when we are trying to select our, our Big Bash super coach teams. Um Interesting, and then another bloke we need to talk about, Max, you've got about 14 different screens chopping and changing between here at the moment, but correct me if I'm wrong, Ashton Turner in the warm-up game rolled the arm over. What does that does yeah. that change your opinion on him? Because we've got him coming in at five. We know how explosive he is with the bat. Might he get a few overs? I feel like Ashton Turner is a bloke we have to talk about at the start of every season, just given based on what he promises. Um, and he's also a guy who's best always turns up in the highlight reels as well. Um, is he going to bowl? I don't think so. And I think the thing is, is that given that how world-class their bowling attack is, even just taking six balls um, from a guy, um, any of their attack, doesn't really fit with their plans. Um, Andrew Ty can bowl at any time of the game. Um, Berendorf, we know what he'll do. He'll bowl up front, swing the ball. Richardson will bowl any time of the game, um, as will their other spinners. Um, they're a really interesting outfit, and I think that the other impact of the Mills' uh, loss is the potential for them to play um, their top three as all international bats, given they've got Adam Lyth, uh, Faf de Plessis, who we expect to open. Um, but for that number three spot, either Cameron Bancroft or Steve Eskenazi who was the other Englishman, South African-born Englishman, uh, who they announced last week. So really fascinating outfit. Lyth, Eskenazi, um, both 105K, both worth a look at. And even Cam Bancroft has another wicket-keeping option for about 97K as well. If he's been bat three, he's been braining it in the practice matches. So, so much relevance in their batting order, uh, but so much still to be figured out. Um, and this is the crazy thing about trying to pick these blokes before they've even played a game. Um, mm. We're placing a lot of faith in uh, our ability to guess. 
Maxie, from that top three, um, do you see yourself starting with any of them? Look, Faf, I love. Um, I think he's got a really, really conducive game to Supercoach scoring. He's the type of guy who will be 30 off 20, pretty sort of conservative start, mm. and then just go bananas. Yeah. He can really build um, and bat throughout the innings. But for 180K with no form under his belt and then like a pretty decent-sized break-even, it's, it's always a risk starting with high-priced guys um, with no break-even involved. I think Lyth is the one that I really like. Um, pretty underrated talent. 105K I think is fantastic value for him. Um, saw some uh, maths around his scores from the Vitality Blast and his uh, score average for the season was well in the 50s. Um, scores a lot of runs and I think he could make money uh, and both score well for you, particularly given that the guys from Perth are guys you're probably going to want to hang around um, in your squad for single game rounds, just given that their draw is very, very nice um, from here on out for the rest of the tournament. Mm, yeah, he's an interesting one, Life at 105K. Uh, 525 runs in this year's Vitality Blast. Strike rate, 177. That's obscene. Mental. Um, and... I suppose, Tomo, for me, the issue with life, and it comes around all the time, but it's these English bats, their first few hits on Aussie soil. They historically start slow. Um, Is this a concern for you? Uh, And then also, what's your take on Faf and, I suppose, Bancroft? Any interest in who's you're most interested in in all of those three? Sure. I guess uh, we saw a guy from the strikers last night uh, from English conditions come out and hit them all right. So, even though we tend to think that they don't do so well early on, there are some people that come out and perform. Look, I do think life, um, he actually, I believe, opened with Faf in the most recent 100 competition. So they're very familiar with each other, which I think Mm. will benefit both their games. I think that will be a really good thing. In that most recent 100, um, I think out of the eight games, six times we reached over 20 runs, which um, is a pretty nice conversion rate. His strike rate is pretty good. He was better than Faf during that tournament and made uh, 339 runs compared to Faf's 134. I guess um, I kind of like both of them. The difference is that one's 180 and the other's 105. And where you spend the extra 75, that guaranteed you a gun scorches bowler rather than someone who's a bit hit and miss. That could be really the um, clever play. I think they're both only available for the first half of the tournament. Um, Faf, Faf is someone I was thinking, you know, there's a definite antipod opportunity. Mm. Um, but as time goes on, you know, you get a little bit nervous because on his day he could come out and go massive. Um, mm. What I do like about him is that he's done it in short-form competitions all around the world. Um, he's played in the Caribbean, the Premier League. He's played in the 100, IBL, IPL, sorry, the Bangladesh. And he's scored runs in most of them, including, you know, getting hundreds. So, and there's also a factor like if you like watching him play and sometimes you just like selecting a big name. So I was going to antipod, but as time gets a bit closer, I'm a bit nervous. I think both the openers could be good selections. Yeah. Look, both hard to knock. You're right though on Faf. At 180K, like there's a serious antipod opportunity there because he will be highly owned. He is top dollar. He is coming down for his first game uh, down here in a long time. So there is any put opportunity if you're willing to take it up. Um, Josh Inglis, boys, I think we've spoken plenty on him. And I think while it looks like he'll probably be about four now, maybe three, we've all got him in our squads at this stage. Looks a pretty safe, safe bet there. Um, we head down into the bowling lineup. Actually, before we get to the bowling lineup, sorry, just quickly, 
the Scorchers play game one of the double as well. So if you are a team who, who has nine or ten players for the double and you're looking pretty good and you can afford to put your, your double round player as your AE, um, it, guys like Faf and probably more so Lyth, they're really good options for this AE. If they do flop and you want to go elsewhere and, and play one of your single game week guns over the top of them, um, keep that one in mind. Boys, Ashton Agar, he's, what, about 168K. Certainly looks like one of the more assured players to get the double game week in. He was exceptional last season. Um, Maxi, is he on your radar? Not only on my radar, he's in my team. Yeah. Um, has been for um, the last couple of weeks as well. I just think he's definitely, of all the bowlers, um, the sure thing to be picked in this lineup. And last year just showed his class. Started at 99K, I anti-potted him, uh, much to my peril. Mm. Um, yeah, really, really looking forward to him being on field next round. And Maxi, onto the bowling lineup. Richardson, Hatchaglue, Ty, Berendorf. Just how big a risk is rotation? Now, as I said, Tyler Mills assures a lot of spots. It takes a lot of pressure off this, but there's still Lance Morris lingering, not lingering around. He's there. I mean, he's he's in the Australian Test squad at the moment, but could easily be released um, for the double. Uh, we've got him, we've got Maddie Kelly, who's an, I won't say an out and out star, but a damn good bowler. Um, we have Jai Richardson, who's coming into the competition under an injury cloud. I can't touch any of these guys outside of Agar prior to seeing that round one team list. Even then, there's a chance of rest for game two. How do you say it? I think you asked if resting is a risk. It's a reality. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to happen. Um, if it happens in, on a double game week, then you know it's almost just the, the medicine you're going to have to take. But um, I think the thing is is that whoever plays – like they're they're all good options. You can't really they are, go wrong. They really are. Yeah. And look, the, the way that I tried to think about it is that there's going to be two things which sort of um, uh, help uh, change the rotation. It's going to be conditions on the pitch. So if it's not turning at all, maybe hats are glue, sits a game, um, and it's just mm. going to be lo- like roll. Uh, we know that um, Lance Morris out and out speed star. That's Jai Richardson. Um, we know Matt Kelly death bowling supreme. That's Andrew Ty. Um, there's no one else who bowls left arm swing. Uh, so maybe Berendorf's a little bit safer. Um, and Agar's as well, the only one who bowls orthodox spin and can bat at seven. So maybe that's the way to look at it. But um, look, uh, you've got to keep your eye on that toss and you'll probably have about 40 minutes to decide uh, on, I think it's Saturday when they play that first mm. game. That is Insight 101 there, Maxi. Good stuff, mate. Tomo, of that bowling contingent, who do you let's say they let's say every one of them are picked in uh, in the first game of their double in round two? Who do you see yourself starting with in the bowling attack? I think every man his dog is going to go Jai Richardson, provided he's named. Yeah, hundred percent. I couldn't um, take the risk of selecting him before round run closes. Mm. I need Richardson to be on that team sheet, and then you launch. Um, he bowls anywhere because he's really good. Front, power surge, depth. Look, he can have some absolute day out and take multiple wickets. So even though he could be rested, you know, his best bowling figures for each season, he takes three or four wickets and is very economical. So I don't want to miss out on that massive score for someone that has a high ceiling. I agree that um, Agar is probably the most safe pick. I can see him across a double game, gets four blocks of 20 overs and just chip away, whether that's with bat or ball or even the field because he's a good fielder as well. He bowls those four overs. He, you know, doesn't capture huge bags, but chips in with one or two wickets. Um, he can bat. And 
The Scorchers lineup, batting lineup in particular, I reckon maybe is not quite as strong as it was last year. So I can see, I'm not, I don't think they'll collapse, but I can see him getting more opportunities, especially if you hold him long term. So I think Agar safe. He's in my side at the moment. Um, Andrew Ty is also in my side at the moment. I think he's pretty safe. Um, he's a death bowler. He's a regular wicket taker. He's done it for a long time. Um, look, I think he's safe. Of course, there is that rotation risk that we've alluded to, but I think he's pretty safe as well. Um, look, they've got lots of good options. Mate, they do. Absolutely stacked. Guys, Paddy and George from Mortgage Choice SCW back on deck for the Big Bash season after supporting through the entire footy season. They've had absolutely wonderful feedback from everyone that's linked up with the fellas via the SC Playbook podcast, covering everything you need to know from how to begin your journey into the housing market to finding a better home loan rate, even to refinancing to let yourself fork out on a new vintage MRF genius. What a piece of willow that that was. Jesus. Uh, If you are sitting here listening and considering buying a house, firstly, congrats because you're doing better than I am. Uh, But like 99% of first home buyers, you're thinking, where in the world would you start? Blokes like Paddy and George know it all inside out and can get you on the right path. Better yet, it won't cost you a dime because you listen to this podcast. Use the special code SC Playbook for a free numbers consult. Contact them via Instagram at Pat and George Mortgage Choice, all one word, flick them a message, or on 02-9521-1611, no matter where you are in Australia. They're wonderful supporters of us, so if SC Playbook gives you a bit of enjoyment and insight, support us by supporting them. Boys, <clears throat> We're just going to touch on the Thunder briefly because we've spoke about them at <clears throat> at length already uh, already in this podcast and in the weeks leading in due to their double-double to start the season. Uh, a word of warning, if you don't have... I think the only person you'd be willingly buying this week if you didn't own any would be probably Daniel Sams. Some promising players elsewhere, but he's obviously the man in this side. A word of warning that if you do already own three or four of them, which is very likely... <clears throat> Don't overcompensate on them because next week you're likely going to want to hold on to one, maybe even two of your stars players who are on the buy. Um, you'll then have obviously the Thunder go on the buy in round three, so you just don't want to leave things too short. So just be careful of overinvesting in them. Um, short and sharp, Max. I suppose. Is there anyone you look to flip from your your Thunder side? Is there anyone you'd be putting as your A's? Anything changed from last week? I suppose. Yeah, it's a really good question and I've sort of been thinking about this and I think that um, the only way that you would do it would be if, say, for example, Grinder Sandu comes out again, gets another 90-odd and goes into the next double game week with like a minus 20 break even or just something ridiculous and you can make bulk cash um, in in round two that you can't ignore, in which case you might sort of go, okay, I'm going to have to use a boost to correct this, but it's going to, I'm going to make 100 grand for for the trade. Aside from that, I think everyone's probably got three or four of the usual suspects in Hales, Rousseau, Jilks, and Sams, and I think that that's enough. Um, but I'm very keen to get Tomo's opinion on if he would go anywhere else um, for uh, either player reasons or just for strategic reasons. Yeah, uh, there's, I agree. Daniel Sams is one if you don't have. I reckon Faruqi, I was really impressed with him on debut, and I reckon if you don't have him in, that performance... Mm. His celebration, let's not forget that celebration. <laughs> the performance and the celebration guaranteed him. Um, look, I can't see why they wouldn't pick him for both or for round one and for round two. Um, look, I thought he was really good. He performs a role. So if you don't have him in, especially if he performed well in the second game of round one, 
if you don't have him, I'd consider bringing him in um, as a performer. I guess also that the Thunder won and their bowling unit was really good too. They were quite cohesive. So I can't see them really wanting to tinker too much from their bowling attack. Their batters had an off night. Um, I reckon the pitch might have been a bit worse than what has been sort of spoken about and things like that with how both sides struggled. We picked Thunder batsmen because they had four games over two rounds. Batters have an off day. Um, so I think you just got to ride the highs and lows and know that, well, not know, you're hoping that one of them will really have one good game out of the four. There was also some weird dismissals too, like Jilts when he flicked it off to short fine leg, a juggled catch, and then didn't Alex Hales get a full toss and then like cut it onto his stumps or something a bit bizarre? So there was a few sort of dismissals that I think we're unlikely to see again. So if you've got your Thunder players, you're exactly right. Don't bring them in and don't go overboard, but stick with who you've got. Yeah, that Monica Oval deck, like one of the highest scoring grounds in Australia, flat as a tack normally, batsman's paradise. Spent many a day scorching 40-degree heat in the summer, sitting there watching blokes hit big scores. Um, yeah, just did not deliver in round one, did it? Whether it was rubbish batting or the deck throwing up a few mines, I'm not sure, but uh, I would edge towards the latter. Um, just on that, I think you touched on, actually the trade boost. That's something that's weirdly probably slipped under the radar a little bit this season, and I suppose because it's a bit more relevant to, to NRL Supercoach and AFL Supercoach, and it was initially brought in by those at Supercoach headquarters uh, for those seasons. But for anyone who has missed it, there are three rounds this season uh, of your choosing where you get one extra trade for that round. Um, it's kind of a thing like in NRL Supercoach, I know for sure you, you try and plan it around certain weeks around origin periods and buy periods and whatnot. Big Bash, not as um, set and logical times to do it. Just do keep in mind, and I will likely be using one of mine in round two or round three. In fact, I nearly certainly will. Because the season started with three double game weeks, um, teams on double game weeks, I should say, I feel like it's a good opportunity to get rid of some of the deadwood there and and build your team for the rest of the the season. Um, So just, yeah, as I said, keep that one in mind. Guys, some exciting news. We have linked up at SC Playbook with Draft Stars and PlayUp as a punting partner for the Big Bash season. Uh, the most exciting thing about this mob is that they're fantasy sport, punning on fantasy sport. What more could you want? Uh, basically, I'll keep it short and sharp, but for anyone who's unfamiliar with Draft Stars in particular, uh, they have jackpots. You, you pick a contest. So, for example, tonight's Heat v Renegades game, they might have a $30,000 jackpot you can win. You go in there and just like Supercoach, you pick seven players, four batters, three bowlers. Uh, they're all priced on ability and form. There's a salary cap. You watch your rank move up and down with every single ball that's bowled. Live updates, and it shows when you're in the cash, out of the cash. Uh, it pays back to hundreds of places. So while you can win the big one, you can also double your money by finishing a mile down the list. Uh, it's good fun. And basically, as fantasy sports experts here on the SC Playbook podcast, at least self-proclaimed, uh, we feel like we do have a bit of an edge on the dribblers who don't play it that are in these contests. So we'll start dropping some plays each week across our socials and on the podcast. If you're keen to play, obviously we do want you to do want them to know that SC Playbook has sent you to do that. Jump into the articles on our site, the article on our site holding the podcast uh, on the homepage. There's a link there. You can click that, and it takes you through to their page, and you can sign up via that. We'll also have a QR code that you can scan, and we'll have it in our articles very shortly as well. If you do want to do it, um, vitally important, guys. It is for 18 plus only, and do gamble responsibly. 
All right, fellas, let's get stuck into our trade plans for Supercoach Round 2. Now, again, this is obviously pending different sorts of things. We might have a player who went dud in Game 1 uh, in the double for the Thunder, say, you know, Riley Rousseau, who comes out and hits a ton in Game 2, has that low break even, and then we hold him. Um, rubbish example because he's got the double in Round 2, but you get what I'm saying. Um, so things are changing. We will be putting all our trades in the WhatsApp group. Maxie, I'll start with you, mate. Trades and skippers, what are you leaning towards at this stage? So trade outs for me, uh, Luke Wood. Um, he sucked, so he's got to go. Um, I'm hoping he doesn't lose too much cash. Um, I think I'm probably going to get rid of Peter Siddle as well from the strikers. It was always the plan just to have a, uh, have a stab for one round. And then the final trade out is going to be a tough one. Either Matt Short, who I did bring in with the hope of holding for the season as just a bit of a pod move. Um, but now that he didn't bowl that third over, or the fourth for that matter, I'm just a little bit unsure if I can sort of justify the price. So he might be going, or it could be my man, Henry Thornton. Um, I'll have to make a, a last minute decision. Um, and, and who to bring in? Um, one will be Adam Lythe. Uh, one will be a Perth Scorchers Quick. Uh, and the other's probably going to be a Perth Scorchers Quick too, if I'm honest. Um, we'll consider if I, if I want to boost as well. If I want to do the uh, Inglis and Jilps Luke loop next round, which I'll assess after the first game on Saturday, I will need to boost um, and flip someone to a keeper so I can play that. Uh, but we will see We'll see how we go. And I think it's that's the great thing about the boost. It'll give me that option that I can uh, wake up on Sunday with a clear head and uh, figure that out. Mm, bless the boost, mate. <laughs> uh, one of one of very few people waking up Sunday morning with a clear head, so good luck to you. Uh, oh, mate, that's just because Friday night's going to be a shock. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas party season, baby. <laughs> oh, bless you. Uh, Tomo, what are you thinking for round two, mate? Trades and skippers. Yeah, trades a long way out. Look, I've got faith in Mr. Wood, Maxi. I reckon he's going to come out. I'll still trade him, don't get me wrong, but I've got faith. <laughs> I reckon two wickets and 20 runs quickly at the end of the innings. He's still going to go, but I've got maximum faith. Um, you said it on podcast, it's going to happen. That's the way the world works. Um, Zampa, I think, will go out. Um, and probably some sort of striker. Might be Siddle, might be, as you said, Matty Short, but like. I find it very hard to trade people after they've done such a good job, but sometimes it's the sensible decision. <clears throat> Look, coming in will definitely be some Perth Scorchers. If Jai Richardson's on that team sheet, in he comes. Um, and, yeah, a couple of others, batters or bowlers, I'm not sure yet, but I think they're still going to be pretty good, so I want them on my side. Uh, potentially using a trade boost as well. You've got to be aggressive early. If we think back to last season as well, teams rest players at the end, so you want to get your business done early. Mm. Um, so I'll be looking probably like you, Timmy, and using a trade boost early, especially if I can get someone I think is going to perform <clears> quite well. Skippers is an interesting one. It's kind of good because, you know, three weeks ago we were all going to say Mitch, Mitch Marsh, weren't we, and then everyone's the same. But I think we could see some slight variation here. Um, look, Agar seems safe. Ty... If you got some cheap wickets at the end, seems like a good pick too. I can see if Jai Richardson plays both games, I can see him being a good pick. Um, even Matt Kelly, because um, just when he plays, he scores. So if he by somehow was in the team for both games and he could be a really – he's expensive but could be a great pod for you to bring in. So, yeah, options there. It'll be a, Can I put it like this way? It's going to be a Scorchers bowler. Mm. So, yeah, Tomo, Tomo's just settled on about seven different players for his skipper. So, <laughs> yeah, I've gone with uh, the one thing that I, I sort of 
strategized with at the round one side and probably justified paying the big bucks for my boy Trent Bolt was that at 180k, it gives it a lot of money to play with uh, to trading out in round two. So got a few options as a result of that. So Trent Bolt, while it'll break my heart to get rid of him, it's obviously the obvious decision this week. So he'll go possibly Nathan Coulter-Nile, but it'll depend how he goes in game two. If he goes poorly and that break even isn't too low, uh, he'll have to go because I do want to hold on to Stoinis and Zampa. But if he goes well and he's got a really negative break even, I'll have to hold on to him. Uh, and then Chris Lynn going out as well. Big chance that I'll use a boost in round two, but it may be round three. We'll see how we go. I don't even hate the idea of boosting for a Brisbane Heat player and just getting a little bit ahead of the game for that round three double. Uh, coming in will be Dry Richardson again, pending teams, of course. Ashton Agar, and then one of either Ty or Faf. I think I'll be a little too scared not to get Duplessis in, but uh, and again with the the boost, maybe I can get both of them in. Um, a few things to, to play out there. Skippers, Scorch is playing the first game, so provide his name. I find it very hard to go past Dry Richardson. If there was any, you know, sort of risk of re-injury or. or bit higher risk, I should say. They wouldn't play him. He's too important to them. So I'm happy to play Richo as my VC. Uh, and then Daniel Sams uh, will be the C in that one. Boys, let's wrap this up with our first listener questions of the season. Um, also broke my little heart a little bit, not being able, not, not being able to do them during the preseason. But now they've got a clearer idea. It's a lot easier to get into the listener questions. And we start with one from one of, one of the legends of the game, Matty Broom former SC Playbook contributor. I did a wonderful job for us last season. Uh, the man can supercoach, I'll tell you that much. An absolute star. Um, question from Matty is, is trade boosting to trade Joe Clark to Sam Billings in prep for round three okay or a waste? Still lets me loop there in round two and I'd have four scorches. So this is going down a similar path to what I've just said. Um, Tom, I'll start with you, mate. What do you reckon from Matty? Yeah, this is interesting because I've got, as I said, at the moment, I've got four scorches in my side. And one thing that I'm thinking of doing just on a hunch before the heat play is trading one of my scorches to bring in Billings to play this week and then put on field in place of Jilks. Um, so unless I get his score, if he scores well today, and then I've got him in preparation for round three. Mm. I just wonder, look... I can see some merit in it, but I just trade boosting for someone's not going to play who's that sort of price too. I'm not sure if I'm a huge fan of it. If he could somehow rejig his side and trade out of Perth Scorcher and then put Billings in so you can get his round one game and then next week trade Clark out for some sort of Perth Scorcher, I think that sits a little bit better with me. But if that was able to be done, which I'm not sure how many players he's got locked in. Maxi, yourself on Maddie's question, I, I suppose the main thing... What's your thoughts on Sam Billings as a buy, even next week? I, I love Billings as a buy. I think he's um, fairly consistent um, in a game where there's not a lot of that, um, particularly at the wicketkeeper position. Um, I, I think he's he's someone that I will bring in. Um, would I do it on a buy round at the cost of a boost? Um, I don't think I would, but this is Matty Broom we're talking about. It could just be crazy enough to work. So... Mm. <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll, that's that's all I'll say. We'll back your broomer to the cows come home, mate. Question two from Stevie Soden. Are there, this is a good question, and uh, I hope you've prepped because uh, to throwing you under the bus if you haven't. Boys, are there any non-scorcher priority targets? So we've obviously spent uh, a lot of time talking about the double game week sides. Is there only in round one thus far that you've just gone, geez, I want that bloke in my side? Um, Tom, I will about yourself, mate. 
I suppose we're looking for the Matty Shorts of last year, aren't we, where there's the massive mm. role change and just the scoring points and potentials for the roof. Um, I guess, are there any cheapies? We've only had two games, of course, but any cheapies have gone nuts and the price rises will be awesome. I'm not someone that calculates the nuts and bolts and those sort of things. I'll leave that to much brighter people. But <laughs> if Naveed or Webster have an awesome break even, especially Webster after the second game, he could be someone. Of course, the Stars have the buy next week and you need to consider that. But I don't think there's a slam dunk pick for me at this stage. But with half the round to come, there could be by the end. There is. And one person there that springs to mind and, and we'll know obviously by the end of round one, but he's Darcy Short, the, the big, uh, big talking point in the preseason. If he comes out and bowls four overs and hits 70-odd, you'll be going, well, maybe we pull the pull the trigger on him because yeah, Darcy, he could be a very popular trade target depending on how he goes in game one this week. Um, Maxie, what about yourself, mate? Anyone spring to mind? I'm pretty happy with my two cheapies in uh, Webster and Naveed and the cash that they'll generate after this round, which is which is um, a relief. I think the big one is almost the the game tonight um, and the potential for a 42k rookie to um, open the batting for the Heat. Yeah, Josh Brown. absolutely. Yeah, so um, we you know he could like any batter get a good ball, get a duck, and get dropped. We never see from him again. But um, on form and particularly some of the highlights from the practice match. Uh, which have come out on the Heat socials today, um, he could be a guy that in round two um, would be worth a boost, uh, particularly knowing that they've got um, the, the double game round uh, in round three. So um, Heat's where I'll be looking. Um, one eye on him and one eye on Max Bryant as well, who's also at a good price. Yeah, uh, and the beauty is at 42K that if he does flop, he's not dropping cash. So not the end of the world. Next question from Benny Brock. I was going to say another legend. He's got some legends in this uh, this community. Is Jai Richardson worth bringing in before the round finishes? Has anyone heard if he's a starter? Bracket saves 20K on Agar. Leads into his next question. First up, I'm just going to say, and boys, feel free to disagree with me, but with the injury cloud, I think it's too risky. Like if you pull, pull the trigger on him and get him in, it's just wait. And then he doesn't get named for game one, misses game one and two next time. It's just, I think you're playing with fire when there's more assured players. Uh, just save him till round two. Uh, leads into his next question. Josh Brown or McSweeney as potential player slash loop options. Already have Connolly like McSweeney's dual status. Maxi. Simple one. Um, whoever's named. Yeah. Uh, if it's McSweeney who gets a spot, um, then I'd go with him. Um, Josh Brown, um, same same story. I, I think w- what I would say just about this heat lineup is that um, uh, as we flagged in our preseason article, um, Renshaw's out this round. Uh, his wife has just given birth today, I think, uh, little baby Charlotte. So congratulations to uh, the, the Renshaws. Um, but uh, he, he'll be back, and that means that I would say likely one of Max Bryant or if it's Josh Brown or McSweeney, one of them will have to drop out. Two of them will play tonight. Only one of them will play moving forward given when Renshaw comes in. Um, so it's it's not an absolute slam dunk that whoever you whoever gets named for the Heat tonight is there um, in for the round three double. Um, but particularly, I think, you know, you've got to be on field to impress and get an opportunity. So, um, yeah, wake up tomorrow morning and then make a call on Josh Brown. But if you could pick him up in round one and he's playing tonight and opening the batting, I wouldn't be against going early. Maxie, uh, Maxie, uh, Maxie Bryant. Maxie Bryden. Maxie Bryden doesn't even give us the scoop that uh, that Renshaw's expecting a child. He has the name. He has the day of birth. He probably knows what time <laughs> it was born, what weight little Charlotte was. Uh, congratulations to Matty Renshaw on that. Don't know if he's first one or not, but... Um, happy days all around. 
Um, where are we up to, boys? Moving on to the next question. Um, a bit of a, a broad one from Jamie Finch, Tomo, but how many players should we have for, for two teams on the double game week? So obviously looking at round two with the two sides on the double. Is there a set number or thereabouts? How do you see it? Yeah, I, was, I saw this question come through and I thought it would be a good one to have a little bit of discussion about if um, any of you fellas have a magic number. I don't have a magic number. I guess it's always important to remember quality over quantity. Um, but did you say nine for the Thunders and Scorchers next week? Nine, yep. was it? Yeah. Yeah, well, nine seems like a pretty good number to me. Um, look, and just going back a question quickly for a second, I think if Brown is named, I think that if he has one good dig with that strike rate, he could be a good cash cow. Um, I can see a world where he stays in that 11 because living in Queensland, watching and reading about the heat, their top order and their batting lineup has been the Achilles heel for as long as I can remember. So it's been a long time. He could be the guy. So I reckon he's got as good an opportunity as everyone to consolidate a spot. If he had one good knock um, early on, he could be there for a long time. So I can really see him doing um, being a good cash cow for us if he was performing early on. Yeah, no magic number for me. What about you guys? Look, it's it's something I think about a lot, and I think it's almost as important to look at the upcoming buyers as it is to look at the actual double itself. Um, I think, for example, I will have five Sydney Thunder. Um, that'll include uh, one in the keeper spot, three in the bats, um, one in the bowling spots, uh, and I'll bring in three scorches, which will give me eight um, for the double. I could boost and go and uh, go to nine, uh, but I'd be pretty happy with eight, knowing that I'm going to have to trade three Thunders for their buy. Um, just given the the presence of an NPR and a, and a loop option in my team, um, I think as long as um, and Tomo, you, you said this last season as eloqu- eloquently as anyone, um, as long as you've got the best bat and the best bowl from the team on the double, um, then that's a that's a really really solid strategy. And just build your team with guns and all rounders around that. That's it, mate. You you, you both nailed on here quite quite well. There's no set number and. Often if you find yourself a little shorter a one week to, to other teams on that double game week, you might have nine or ten and you have, say, seven or eight, there's every chance that you've planned for the next round. And like this week where I'm thinking about using a boost uh, for round two to get a Brisbane Heat player in early, you know, if I'm one short, I might have one more for the following week. So it all adds up as long as you are looking around the double game weeks, be it the current round or the next round. Uh, it should add up if you've done a bit of, a bit of your homework and it can often be very beneficial to look down the track when most people will be short on doubles and it might be a gun side like the sixes and you, you're well prepared and you've got four or five of them. What do you reckon, Tomo? Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to panic and just get numbers. You know, I'm thinking of someone mm. like um, yesterday for the strikers, someone like Jake Redable. You might want to come in and say, oh, he's opening bat. He might do a great job or I need another double game player. But in reality, he hasn't done much for a couple of years in the Supercoach game. So you don't want to panic and just bring them in just for a number's sake. And that's tempting to do as, you know, the game's about to start. But, you know, you just stick to your process, stick to your guns, and it should work out all right for you in the end. For sure, mate. Boys, we will wrap that one up for our round two episode. Uh, we'll look to do a, a podcast every uh, every round of the Supercoach season. But as we know, there are some really quick turnarounds at times. Um, we'll obviously have Christmas and New Year's. There might be periods where, where we cover two rounds in one hit on those quicker turnarounds. So uh, stick with us. But yeah, essentially, we'll be doing a podcast every single round. The next one will be dropping Monday or Tuesday ahead of round, round three. Maxi, thank you very much, mate. Pleasure as always, Timmy. Thanks, Tomo. And I uh, hope the listeners enjoyed this one. Cheers, Tomo. Thanks, boys. Always a pleasure. 
Thanks for tuning in, guys. 